Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm host, joined even, I will be hosting, but I'm joined <laughs> by Roman de Arquer. How are you doing, Roman? It's your midweek podcast. Great. Uh, I love to be back on the show once again, on the podcast, of course, and uh, excited to talk about those Europa League games we, we recently saw before recording because there were some uh, tough but interesting results to, to look at. It certainly was interesting, but we did actually have someone at the ground um, for probably the toughest result, definitely <laughs> in terms of scoreline, as Real Betis went down 4-1 to Manchester United. So I'm going to cut quickly to Matt Clark, who's at Old Trafford, to give us his view on what happened there. Betis come away from Old Trafford with a, a heavy defeat and at half time it didn't look like that was going to happen because they were well in the game having suffered early on United went ahead very quickly looking for that response from Sunday but uh, Betis kind of settled down grew back into the game and uh, equalised through a very nice goal from Iosi Perez it's true United had more chances to, to increase the lead in the first half but Betis were good value at the break but in the second half, the story changed. And uh, Betis were... It was almost capitulation, to be honest. It felt that way. Once the second goal went in from Anthony, their heads seemed to drop. And uh, in truth, it could have been more than four. In the press conference, Manuel Pellegrini kept saying it was Anthony's goal that, you know, deflated the team. And then the header from the corner soon after really affected the balance and, and confidence of the team and as a result they then uh, struggled to do anything going forward David De Gea had a relatively easy second half and um, Claudio Bravo could have done better for the for the Bruno Fernandes header in particular but it's also true that he did avoid the scoreline being even more severe um, but as it is 4-1 is uh, almost impossible to recover now even though the second leg is back in Seville and only United complacency can really allow Betis back into this tie. 
So uh, they go back to Spain in, in somber spirits. But as they say, vive el batissima inquipierda. Many thanks to MC, the man himself. Back on to Roman and, and his views on what happened at Old Trafford. I thought Betis responded really well to going 1-0 down here and I thought they played themselves back into the game because I was fearing for them in, in the first half and especially those kind of first 20 minutes. And then what I feared happened in the second half. <laughs> what did you kind of make of the game, Roman? Yeah, I thought that early goal uh, might be hard to overcome, but uh, I mean, they proved us wrong. They got that beautiful uh, strike by Ayose after a Juanmi pass. I think that was a spectacular goal to see. Uh, but then it was followed by another uh, spectacular goal in the second half, uh, early 2-1 from Manchester United with Anthony scoring uh, that uh, great goal right in the top corner where Bravo had nothing to do. And it reminded me a bit of the Barca game where also in the second half they got a quick goal, got up in front. And in this case, it was a bit different because from there on, I mean, Man United were all over Betis. They got the second goal really quickly and I think that just completely took them out of the match, you know, and they just couldn't find uh, any, any, any strength in themselves to, to recover from that blow. And, and from there on, it was just United and they scored four, but honestly, it could have been five, six, even seven because... Uh, you could tell they wanted to uh, recover from that 7-0 defeat against Liverpool and they were trying probably to get as many goals back to, to for the for the fans to forgive them or something. But uh, luckily it wasn't as bad for Betis, but still, it's a very, very big margin and I just don't see Real Betis coming back, honestly. Uh, it's going to be super tough and it's one of those games you don't really want to play because you know there's a very small, small chance of, of getting something out of it. Yeah, moving on to the kind of the second leg just quickly, you say that there's very very slim chance of Betis making it through, but if they are to kind of cause Manchester United problems, did you see kind of any gaps where Manuel Pellegrini's side can get at Manchester United? Is there any areas where Betis can have joy at the Benito Villamarín? Well, I mean, uh, the advantage, of course, is, is they're going to be have their home fans. Uh, I mean, United... Uh, do have their weaknesses. We've seen it, like for example, in the game against Liverpool, where, where sometimes they uh, just lose it a bit at the back, you know. And there are spaces, and they can make the most of that. But Betis need to be inspired. And of course, for example, in this game, uh, Canales came back from an injury. He just came in the second half. I think they can exploit him uh, in that second leg because we know what the talent he is and how important he is for that midfield. So starting from from the beginning, I think that will be very helpful. And I wish they had Fekir also because I mean he would be also a great addition. Uh, going forward against a team like United but unfortunately that won't be the case and I kind of feel like Betis you know uh, they're already struggling a bit in La Liga I mean lately they've had some better results but uh, I think it's too many competitions for them this season I feel like uh, they don't have maybe the same depth or the same quality they had in, in their backup players as they did in the previous seasons. So, I mean, I think that affects them, you know, at the end of the day. So, uh, despite not wanting to lose, of course, and wanting to fight for the competition, it might be for the best in terms of uh, fighting for that Champions League spot in La Liga, which I think should be the objective definitely this season for them. Yeah, you mentioned that kind of depth and I thought they really missed Alex Moreno today. Abner yeah. Vinicius is young and he's he has obviously kind of raw talent and that's why Betis have signed him and 
and I'm sure he will come good, touch wood. But, but yeah, Alex Moreno was a key part of this Real Betis side. He was a key part of both their attacking and their defending. And having a Vinicius just... He, he didn't quite look like he was at the races today. You saw it in the goal for Anthony. He's just a yard slow. The first goal comes down, down the right-hand side as well for Manchester United. And it's, it's, it's those margins in these games against the best players where that kind of shows up, I think. Um, but we will... We will place some faith in uh, in Manuel Pellegrini because he he is he is a masterful tactician. Moving on to a former Real Betis manager in Kike Setien, who I feel like for some reason it's always you and me that are talking about Kike Setien. <laughs> we seem to talk about Setien every week somehow, but uh, but we're back on to him. We're back on to Villarreal, who who got a decent win at the weekend. The Gerard Moreno wonderful goal. 1-1 against Anderlecht in the Conference League in their kind of first leg of this tie in the round of 16. They took the lead from Manuel Trigueros, but they were pegged back in the second half. You saw this game, Roman. I did not, so I'm going to cede the floor to yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, here, w- we saw what we've been seeing, I think, very often with Villarreal, where they look like the better side, they're dominating, they're having the chances, but they're struggling to get the goal. I mean, in this case, you clearly saw that uh, Setien made a few rotations, uh, played some uh, different players were maybe not as used to seeing, you know, and he left, for example, Gerard Morin on the bench, uh, which, of course, uh, always has a big impact. He dared to play another youngster, in this case, Pascual, who who did a pretty good job up front. He was a very interesting prospect, and I think that's always one of the reasons that I think that Villarreal bought Kike Setien, you know, because he's he's a guy that uh, gives chances to a lot of youngsters, and and there's been three, four, or five at least that have had uh, some minutes, whether it's Copa del Rey, La Liga, uh, or Conference League, and in this case, he he did a very good job, but uh, they did get the goal through Manu Trigueros, they did have some uh, decent chances, Chukwete uh, was a great danger down that right wing, he really has gained a lot of confidence with Kike on the bench, but then the second half, they kind of disconnected a bit, and then Anderlecht looked like the better side, they had the better opportunities. Uh, in the end, they got a goal where I think Pepe Reina should have maybe done a bit more. And in the end, you expect to, to, for Villarreal to beat Anderlecht because in the end, you know, the, the Belgian team is at the moment 10th in their in their league. You know, they're, they're a historic team from the country in Belgium, but of course, they're not having a good season in their d- domestic competition. They're over 30 points away from Genk who, who are leading, you know, so that's, of course, uh, not great. But then that happens sometimes where in Europe, you know, they clinch to, to their possibilities and they have a good performance. And the, that second half, uh, honestly, they could have maybe scored a few more. Then down the stretch when Moreno came on, uh, Villarreal looked a bit better. They could have had some also a few goals, but in the end, it's a 1-1 draw, and uh, I think it's a decent result taking into account they're coming back uh, home uh, to play at uh, Villarreal Stadium. So I think they should be capable of winning this. Although, don't let them uh, be too confident. You know, they have to uh, get those goals and, and and get through to the next round because they are the superior team and and they need this win and Kika needs this win. Seven points is the gap to Real Sociedad for Villarreal. If Gerard Moreno does stay fit, do you give them a shot at making it making them making it into the top four at all? 
Yeah, I think as it stands right now, they definitely have possibilities. I mean, it's an open competition. Uh, we've seen Real Sociedad, who, for example, just lost against Roma, and you can tell that uh, they're lacking, you know, that uh, maybe the freshness they had uh, a month, few weeks back or a month back or so uh, from before till, till that point of the season where they were playing uh, really well. They, they don't look like this, they're same, the same old Real Sociedad we've been seeing, and uh, they're dropping a lot of points lately. So it's definitely a possibility. This, this La Liga, as I always tend to say, has been so uh, unpredictable, especially down the bottom, but still up there also it's, it's quite uh, tough to predict what's going to happen, you know, except for, of course, uh, Barcelona at the moment dominating clearly in La Liga, but I, 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 I certainly see uh, Villarreal having a shot if they keep, as you said, uh, Morena healthy. They have plenty of, of good players in that squad, even though, for example, they let Danjuma go, who for me was a a big miss, you know, because they didn't replace him with any uh, other strong uh, attacking player. But uh, they still have enough quality, I think. And if Gerard Moreno, as you said, and I said, stays healthy, then they definitely, I think, have a shot. Yes, uh, it'll be fascinating to see them if they can put a run together. And I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna predict they will because every time <laughs> I think that they're putting it together, they don't. Yeah. But uh, moving on to Real Sociedad, who are the rivals for the top four, along with Real Betis. They did go down 2-0 to Roma, and as you say, they just look like they're running out of steam a bit. If you take out their 3-2 victory over Espanyol, which even that was kind of a, an up-and-down game for them, they were 3-0 up and then conceded twice. If you take that game out, they've scored one goal in their last seven games, and it does just look as if they're kind of running out of gas a little bit. Alexander Surlot doesn't look quite as dangerous as he did. That's kind of having an effect on Kubo, I think. Where are the problems here? Is it just freshness? Is it a lack of depth? I mean, I can't find another explanation, honestly, because, um, I mean, they have been playing great part of, of this season with, with a very short squad. They had lots of injuries, as, as we all know, with especially in attack with Omar Sadiq, Oyarzabal, who missed uh, most part of this season so far. Uh, and they all constantly have problems also in the, in the back, Elustondo, etc. There's always injuries. But somehow, you know, they were still uh, getting past that. But I feel like all the energy they put into those uh, first months of, of the competition have really now had uh, backlash, you know, against them. And, and it's really affecting their performance. And I think it is a lack of freshness. It's also, also a lack of not having a quality striker up front because Soroth is a decent patch, but he's not a guy you can rely on every single game. Uh, Take Kubo, we all know that he's not a striker. I mean, he does like to get his opportunities and get goals, but you know, he's, it's not really his his job to score the goals. And then we had Bryce Mendes overperforming, we could say, in attack, getting most of the goals of the of of the team. But you kind of felt that at some point he had to stop scoring because it was incredible. Every week in week out, he was getting a goal or two for for Real Sociedad and keeping them up afloat. But uh, it had to end at some point, and, and it happened now. So you kind of feel like uh, that all of this is, has really affected them. And even even though they have recovered Oyarzabal, uh, it's just not enough at the moment. So I think it's it's a matter of, of this, you know, the, the freshness mainly. And uh, there might be other problems, tactically speaking, but uh, it's hard to detect them, honestly, because they still have that ball control. They still are capable of, of having the possession. But then when they go up forward in attack, they have opportunities but they're not very clear or not as as um, threatening as they would like to so I think that's uh, being a bit of a problem for them yeah I think there's a lot of affection for Oya Thabal even amongst the kind of La Liga lowdown group but just obviously generally from Real Sociedad fans but there is starting to be an acknowledgement that 
he's recovering from an ACL injury. He's going to take a long time to get back to yeah. full fitness and sharpness. And right now, it just isn't quite clicking for him. And that's not necessarily a stick to beat him with. It's just a reality. But that does have an, uh, an effect on the team as well. And uh, it is having an effect. Do you give Real Sociedad a chance of turning that around? They went down 2-0 against Roma. It was a reasonably even game, I thought. They conceded a late set piece, um, which made it 2-0. 1-0 probably would have been a bit of a fairer result after a, a good goal in the first half from Stefan El Sharawi. That's definitely pronounced wrong, and apologies to, <laughs> to all of our <laughs> Egyptian listeners. Um, but uh, yeah, good goal from him, good dummy from Abraham. Zubeldia did not have his finest day. But yeah, do you give them a chance in San Sebastian? Because it can be pretty rocking if they can get those goals. Yeah, I mean, uh, they definitely do. I mean, as you said, they're playing at home, San Sebastian. Uh, again, the crowd is always uh, a big boost, and they just need a good day, you know, because they have they have the quality players, uh, they, they have the capacity, uh, they dominated uh, in possession, we could say, but if they can tra- transform that possession into actual good and, and quality chances, I mean, why not? Two goals are, are doable. It won't be easy. Let's not uh, fool ourselves and think that Real Sociedad have a massive chance of going through. But, I mean, they will have a shot, I think, and if they can uh, keep it tight at the back, avoid any any counters, like the first goal Roma scored was a perfectly uh, played-out counter-attack with Dybala to Abraham and then scored by Al-Sharawi. Uh, if they can avoid those sort of dangerous occasions, because, of course, they're going to want to go forward uh, quite aggressively to try and get those goals, then uh, they'll have a shot, but it won't be easy. It won't be a, a tough one, and it's not a great result to go back home to. Yes, very well summed up there, Roman. And yes, Jose Mourinho in Europe, of course, is a is a danger, a dangerous animal, some might say. <laughs> we will leave it there for part one. In the second half of the show, we're going to come on to Sevilla and Jorge Sampaoli. The Castle Negreira has uh, reared its ugly head again this week um, in many different places and, and <laughs> pockets of the Spanish media, so we'll touch on that as well. And... An interesting potential call-up to the Spain squad, but don't go anywhere, we'll be back in just a second. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's Rudy Barlow, it's Roman de Arquer. We discussed in the first half most of the European exploits of the La Liga teams this week, but there was one side that we left off the ticket, Sevilla, who perhaps are the, the most interesting case here because they are the side that is most under pressure. They are somehow in the round of 16 of the Europa League and at the same time only out of the relegation zone by two goals on goal difference. I think it is above Almeria. They're level on points. It was billed as a big week for Jorge Sampaoli. Big result against Fenerbahce here, 2-0. Yeah, massive result. And honestly, it could have been quite dramatic uh, because that first half, uh, Fenerbahce were all over Sevilla. Uh, Dimitrovic kind of uh, kept them alive and, and it's kind of a miracle because honestly, Fenerbahce should have scored <laughs> Uh, some goals in that one and it looked really poor I, I was also reading uh, a lot of Sevilla fans complaining at what Sampoli was doing what he was making like experiments or, or he was kind of uh, not caring too much about the team but then somehow in the second half it completely changed he put Juan Jordan he put some uh, other players on the field and I think that really um, gave them you know another another look another feel and uh, as soon as they got their first goal by Juan Jordan in this case also quite early in the 56th minute uh, they looked better, they looked more solid. Uh, Fenerbahce were not as, as, as capable of, of generating uh, good chances against them. And then they kind of uh, put the cherry on top of the cake towards the end with Lamela scoring the second goal. And that's actually uh, Sevilla's 90th win in Euro Europa League uh, competition. Uh, only Sporting Portugal and Inter Milan have more wins than, than Sevilla in this competition. So we all know that how this is a special uh, trophy for Sevilla fans for the club uh, they tend to compete differently and even though they really had all the cards against them it looked like they were going to lose this game because that first half was so bad but then somehow they come out of it uh, with a 2-0 win but of course they're still second leg and if Fenerbahce can play at the level they did in the first half then they could be very very dangerous so we'll see how uh, Sevilla kind of managed to, to pull through yeah, I mentioned just at the top there that this was billed as a massive week for Sampaoli. The, the feeling was that he needed two wins here against Fenerbahce and then again on Sunday against Almeria, which would lift them a few points clear of the relegation zone. It would put Almeria further into it. We've seen in recent weeks Marcos Acuna. There was a the video of him kind of tearing up the note that Sampaoli had sent onto the pitch, a big A4 piece of paper, which was... Uh, remarked upon by many people um, and Acuna takes it out of I think it's Godelli's hand or Oliver Torres hand and just uh, rips it up and says uh, I was going to use a very Scottish word for huevos there <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Wevels to that, and uh, let's get on with the game. And then again, last week after obviously that that really damaging six-one defeat to Atleti, Acuna comes out after the game and says, "Yeah, sometimes we're we're not getting the concepts or the ideas of the manager, or not understanding them." And so to have kind of that public dissent against Sam Pauli is is a problem. You mentioned kind of Sevilla fans complaining. I saw that apparently Acuna was playing kind of inside today. Um, and then he was playing Alex Tejas as a as a central defender, which is is questionable. Certainly, I can understand why Sevilla fans were upset with that. Just kind of returning to the Europa League, but also that kind of relegation battle. How much of a distraction do you think it's going to be for Sevilla? Because every other side in that kind of bottom half is going to have a week's rest every single time. Whereas Sevilla, if they do make it through, and with a two 0 lead, they do have a good chance. Yeah, is this going to work in their favour ultimately? Well, on one hand, you feel that maybe it can give them a boost of confidence, you know, because of course uh, winning a game like that, especially seeing how the first half went, I mean, you can uh, be happy that you, you know you resisted and, and, and you withheld and you have the capacity, you know, to, to, to defend well enough at least and, and then to come back. But at the same time, of course, it's it's extra energy they're they're wasting in these games, wasting in a way because of course we know it's an important title for them. But still, uh, the main objective is to to survive La Liga, you know, to not go down and get relegated. So of course, I mean, it's not easy, and we've seen teams in the past uh, competing in European competitions and then getting relegated or almost getting relegated. So I mean, it's it's something that's happened before, and if maybe they get to the final of the Europa League if some miracle happens and they manage to, to make it through then who knows how that might affect them you know as you said not having the rest that other clubs do at the same time I do kind of feel like Sevilla have a deep enough squad but they just have been so disappointing and and the Sampaoli situation isn't great it does seem like the players are not fully in line with, with him you know there's something there that's not uh, working completely well he hasn't really been getting the results I think expected especially in La Liga uh, where they're still really down at the bottom I mean they've pulled out of the relegation zone which of course is, is good but they're just so so close any 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 week now they could fall back down you know because uh, they're right there on 25 points with Almeria who are 19 or 18th sorry so it's, it's a difficult situation and of course changing the manager again uh, this stage of the season will that really be beneficial would that have a negative effect it's it's one of these tough 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 situations so I mean I, I hope Sevilla pull through in the end because I mean they have a team to be higher up in the standings no doubt about that you know so they have the quality but it is what it is and they have to decide whether they just keep fighting for both competitions or maybe they just decide to, to give up in Europa League and, and focus on La Liga yes yes I've been struck by by just the kind of level of of kind of discontent with Sampaoli in particular rather than anything else and it does seem like it's going to be make or break in this international break coming up on the on the 20th of of March wherever they do stick with him they've got Alan Maria as I was saying before Fenerbahce the return leg next Thursday and then Hitafe away on Sunday night before that international break three absolutely crucial games mm. and you feel like it could really define the path of their season to a certain extent um, moving on to more scandalous climbs uh, further north, to the northeast in particular, and where you're located in Barcelona, because that's where most of the headlines have come out of Spain this week for the, well, certainly for the off field antics 
On Tuesday, it was revealed by El País that the Fiscalia, the, the Spanish prosecutor, would be formally denouncing, so essentially submitting charges to a judge that Barcelona had been involved in continuous corruption and those charges go against both Barcelona the club and Josep Maria Bartomeu. Juan Laporta had come out literally minutes before this, I, I, I think it was 12 minutes I counted, um, and said Barcelona have never bought referees, rotundamente no, absolutely not. And and he sort of went on his, his kind of yeah, tirade of saying we've got this press conference, we'll explain everything. What do you make of it all, Rolana? I mean, I don't I don't really know where to which direction to point you in because it's all such a mess. <laughs> it, it is. It is an absolute mess. It's it's shameful from a Barca perspective or as a fan, I mean I'm I'm quite ashamed at all this situation. I just can't believe we've been so stupid as to uh, pay someone who's actively working in the committee of referees of, of Spain, you know, that just is, is absolutely disgraceful. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think we were specifically buying referees, you know, trying to get their benefit in actual games. Maybe they were trying to get some sort of influence. Maybe it is true that they were trying to get some reports from football players from other divisions, whatever that kind of a weird explanation they tried to give us. I, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see uh, what the judges decide. You know, in, in relation to all of this. Uh, but still, whatever the the matter was, you just can't do this because ethically, it's just uh, incorrect. It's not something that should be happening. And, and now it's led us to this situation. Right now, it was a matter of time that someone would find out these things. You can't really uh, keep them hidden. And we're talking about massive sums of money. You know. So I mean, uh, in the end, it's just. Uh, sad to see your club uh, going this situation of course now you got a lot of hate a lot of criticism towards Barca a lot of jokes uh, in reference to this that we're buying refs so every time now that there's going to be uh, a questionable decision by the referee of course people are going to say ah, you know Barca is, is buying the refs of course they're going to get the favorable uh, call for them so I mean uh, we kind of uh, we're, we're asking for this in the end by, by doing this and by paying uh, the Negreira so I don't know what's going to happen. Um, from what I've been reading, apparently Barca shouldn't uh, be sanctioned too badly or anything like that. It would be more Negreira, uh, but we'll have to wait and see because, I mean, there are also a lot of interests and a lot of people who want to damage Barca in a way because it could benefit them. So, I mean, uh, it's going to take a while for this to close. And I actually read that uh, Laporta has been asked to, to go and declare for this case and, and give his input, although he hasn't been... Uh, they haven't gone against him because uh, he was president quite a while ago when this happened and it kind of expired so they can't prosecute him so that's why only Bartomeu is the only president they're actually uh, going for which in a way I don't feel bad because <laughs> after all he's done <laughs> to us here at Barcelona I think he kind of deserves some sort of sanction whether it's from this or for something else but uh, it's appalling that so many presidents down the line have been uh, keeping up with this and, and unfortunately it is what it is, you know. Yeah, it's, you've, I think you've expressed a lot of what's happening very well there. I echo a lot of those thoughts. I think, like you say, the crux of it is either it was malicious, which, in, I mean, I don't even know where to start with the words that I'd have for that, very many expletives, or it's obscenely stupid to the point where like there's very little defense anyway so yeah yeah it's a it's exactly. a tough one and and certainly i think barcelona fans at least the ones that i've spoken to are very much desiring this explanation 
as much if not more than anyone else and uh, yeah we will see plenty more about it especially at the weekend athletic globe apparently the fan group are gonna shower shower the pitch in blue and red notes with mafias uh, the s turning into a dollar sign which will be fun and Sevilla are going to do something similar with a load of uh, fake banknotes and um, so yes look forward to that keep an eye out for that this weekend um, and I deliberately structured the second half of the podcast this way around so that we had a nicer story to finish on and that is the potential Spain call-up for Jimmy Avila who is obviously Argentine I think a lot of people will be aware of his story but he fought his way out of some very very sticky circumstances in Argentina grew up on the wrong side of the tracks so to speak and and has made a, a good living for himself as a footballer but come through a lot of very tricky situations. He's in the, the pre-list, so the preliminary squad for Spain uh, this weekend, Luis de la Fuente's much-awaited Spain squad without Sergio Ramos in it, which is maybe a topic we should have hit on, but we'll come on to that a different day. Um, yeah, Jimmy Avila, he said he would represent Spain with his life and his soul because they opened the doors to him as a country, they gave him and his family uh, safety and kind of a life and security and, and there's no comparison to that. Just how much of a kind of romantic story would this be if Jimmy Avila did get that call up? Well, I mean, for, for him it would be definitely be a romantic story. I mean, he's probably dying to play for a national team and of course if Spain uh, asks you to play for them, uh, take into account that it's very unlikely he's going to play in Argentina and that here he feels like at home, well uh, of course, you know, it'd be, it'd be great for him. Uh, although, of course, I I have my doubts on whether Chimi Avila is the right guy to call up. I mean, he, he's definitely having a good season. He's probably having uh, cl- closest uh, to his best seasons, which for me were uh, his his second one at Huesca in La Liga, where he scored 10 goals and, and gave two assists. And then the following one with Asuna, he topped that by scoring 11 goals and two assists. And now at the moment, he's on eight goals and two assists. So, I mean, this is probably his best season since then, because we all know he went through some really tough injuries uh, in, his, in his knees, both knees, I think, in fact. So that's uh, definitely uh, really tough to come back from. Uh, as an example, just look at Ansu Fati, who's really struggling to find himself, Oyarzabal, etc. Whereas Chimi Avila, you know, he's, he's finding his best form once again, and that's, that's fantastic. Uh, but then again, I kind of uh, don't like the fact that uh, we go digging onto players from other countries as much. If it's now and then, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. But like, already also they're trying to get Lenormand, Chimi Avila, we did it with Laporte back in the day. I think it's something you have to do if it makes sense, if you don't have like enough good strikers or if Chimi Avila is a top top quality striker then you go for him but take into account we, we have decent strikers we've got Gerard Moreno we've got Borja Iglesias Iago Aspas uh, Alvaro Morata etc etc I kind of feel like it's not fully necessary although I mean I'm happy you know I'm happy I don't really mind if he goes and plays <laughs> even though I just feel like we're abusing this situation a bit uh, too much sometimes but anyway uh, hopefully if he plays he'll do very well hopefully he'll be the striker we've been looking for which will be difficult because uh, in Spain it's it's hard to to make it work up there. We've seen very few cases of, of, of strikers that, well, in recent years at least, that succeed, like David Villa, for example, who's definitely been our best uh, goal scorer in, for Spain. And uh, I wish all the best for Chimi Avila if he finally is picked in the, in the final squad to play and uh, hopefully it'll, it'll go well and he'll be very useful for us. Yeah, perhaps a slight reaction to the to likes of Alejandro Garnacho, who's, who's going to go and play for Argentina, <laughs> despite the fact that he spent his entire life in Madrid, which which is very fair if you feel Argentine, by all means. Same with Alvaro Rodriguez, for who's sure. going to play for Uruguay, but it, yes, I'm sure the Spanish Federation are 
sweating a little bit about how many players keep ending up elsewhere. That will bring the podcast more or less to an end, just very quickly. Anything you're looking forward to this weekend? We've got Athletic Club Barcelona, Madrid take on Espanyol. We've got Cadiz Getafe and Sevilla Almeria, as we were mentioning. Big relegation battles. But yeah, anything that stands out for you, Roman? Well, I'm really looking forward to that uh, Villarreal Betis. Uh, for me, that's uh, usually two teams, you know, that's having a very offensive approach and uh, we could see goals, so it could be entertaining. I'm hoping for, for, for a good game. Uh, always looking forward to seeing Girona and they're playing against Atletico Madrid at home, so I think uh, it's another offensive side uh, who's quite brave, so we'll see if they can uh, break down the Atleti defense or, or not. That'll be interesting. And maybe the other game for me would be Sevilla-Almeria because of what we've talked about a bit about Sevilla, about that relegation battle, that situation to see whether this uh, win has given them a bit of confidence in that match or if something happens there because being an Andalusian derby you know it can be a bit more unpredictable and Almeria uh, can surprise them now and then so there's a super super entertaining battle at the bottom and, and those those matches between those teams are definitely uh, ones to catch. Yeah fascinating weekend you mentioned a couple of times I'd, I'd slipped my mind before this so uh, I might have to cancel a few plans. Anyway, <laughs> cancel your own plans, sit in front of the TV or get to a game if you can in Spain because it's going to be a fascinating weekend in La Liga. We will be back on Monday morning to review it all, so don't miss out there. Thank you very much, Roman, and adios. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.